Blog Talk Radio. probably two to three years, the word narcissism in a variety of forms 
has come up over and over and over again in mainstream media, social media. It's out there, more prevalent than ever. We see it in others at what some call an extreme, when in fact, we all have narcissism within us. Just how much and how it manifests in our lives, we'll discuss in a few minutes. This is your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology therapist at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com energyawareness. My guest, Nancy Van Dyken, is a licensed psychologist and independent clinical social worker specializing in counseling individuals, couples, parents, and teens with depression and anxiety, and has helped people heal relationships of all kinds for over 30 years. She has special expertise in helping people deal with codependency and verbally and physically abusive relationships. She shares her wisdom and passion for healing relationships at workshops, seminars and conferences and is the author of everyday narcissism yours mine and ours our topic for discussion so welcome to the show nancy thank you for taking time to join us here at energy awareness radio how are you being (laughs) i'm being good a little warm but i'm good (laughs) (laughs) and you caught the being part i like that thank you (laughs) not everyone does (laughs) You know, as I stated, I appreciate it. Yes, there you go. (laughs) As I stated at the top of the show, we've certainly seen a lot of examples of narcissism in the news of late, and with that, we've all gotten a glimpse of extremes. But you've written your book, and you've studied this for a long time. How is it that you came to write your book, Everyday Narcissism? Um, Well, the way I practice tea is. I look for patterns that people get into, and that began with me looking at patterns related to uh, codependency and then eventually ADHD. And um, then these patterns started to come together that I write about in the book um, because if we understand our patterns and we can see when we're doing them, then my job is to help give people homework or healing activities to try and change the patterns that are not working for them. So it's been a long-standing practice of looking at patterns that we get into that don't make our lives very happy. And, I mean, it launched just this past year, or this year, actually. So the timing for me, <laughs> with all this going on in the world... <laughs> Seemed really yeah. appropriate. Um, you know, couldn't come out at a yeah. better time. But I think people have, they don't understand what narcissism is. So I thought maybe we could start with you defining the word narcissism so that everybody's on the same page and we all know what we're talking about. Well, lots of times what people are talking about is narcissism in a personality disorder. 
where mm-hmm. people need a lot of attention. Uh, they need to always be right. They need to be noticed. They get angry when people don't agree with them. Uh, and because uh, um, about my book is about um, how we are all raised to have a level of narcissism, and I describe how that plays out in the five myths that I wrote about in the book. And so my book is not about that personality disorder at all. No, I think it's but very, it, it, uh, it brings awareness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When people read the book, um, I'll have clients come in and they'll say, Nancy, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not just me. I see it everywhere. I see it on TV. I see it in the news. Uh, I see it with the teachers. I had one teacher came in. She just read the first four chap- chapters, which uh, start to outline the myths. And um, the myth number one is I have the power and the responsibility uh, for how other people feel and behave. So when the three-year-old um, is mad at grandma and doesn't want to go give her a kiss goodbye, and mommy says, now go give grandma a kiss goodbye, and she says, I don't want to. I'm mad at her. She just took my dolly away from me, and I'm mad at her. And mommy says, now go give her a kiss goodbye or she'll feel bad. Well, so now the child is three, and she's being right. told hmm. that she's responsible for how grandma feels. What a huge responsibility. So you can see why the child thinks the world revolves around here because she's got all that power. Mm -hmm. And in no short order, she will learn that if she doesn't take care of grandma, that's going to make mother very uncomfortable. So now she has to take care of mother too. And um, eventually, if mother's unhappy, oftentimes dad's unhappy. So the three-year-old is being held accountable for these three adults And parents don't know that that's what they're teaching. They think they're teaching a child sensitivity. But what they're teaching the child is you have this responsibility, you don't have the right to say no, and you have to take care of everybody else. So someone says to me, well, don't you want to teach children uh, respect? I said, yes. So you say to your three-year-old, it's okay if you don't want to give her a hug and kiss goodbye, but we need to be respectful to our guests, so you must go over and say goodbye, Grandma. Uh, what happens to young women who are told over and over, go give somebody a hug or kiss goodbye, when they start dating, now they feel responsible for the boy they're dating, and he'll feel bad if I don't have sex or um, if I don't dance with him or, if, you know, something. Um, I was out to uh, eat the other day, and I heard a mother say to her, oh, probably 14-year-old daughter, and she was she was doing what was done to her, And she was trying to be a good mother, but she said to her daughter, you know, that hurts my feelings when you do that. Oh, my gosh, the kid's 14 months old, and she's already being taught she has to take care of mother's feelings. Um, So you see, you, you learn at a young age that the world does revolve around you, and you are responsible for all these other people. And then, of course, myth two is, uh, well, if I'm busy taking care of your feelings, then you have the responsibility to make me happy and control my temper by doing everything right, and so on with the myths. Did I answer your question? Yes, and you know, it's funny because your book 
it's very interesting because no one looks at it from the perspective that you wrote it. And it's interesting to see it from that perspective because, as you just said, that mom with her daughter, she's doing what she learned and, and her, from right. her mother, and her mother was doing what she learned from her mother. So it's, it's just perpetuating it. But your book is all about shifting the perspective and seeing, yep. seeing that we all have narcissistic tendencies within us. What are they? What can we do about them? How can we heal them? And that's the other part right. that I liked is you have all these healing exercises in the book as well. So there's a lot there, but there is a difference between what is classified as clinical narcissism and everyday narcissism. Right. So, right. Right. yeah, can you, would you explain that so our listeners have an idea of what the differences are? Well, the narcissistic personality disorder um, you have to understand that all narcissism comes from being wounded as a child. It comes from not feeling counted, not feeling important, that everybody else's whatever is more important. And so I believe narcissism and the degree to it is based on how wounded someone is and how willing they are to address those wounds. So, and so it's learned. Um, oh, it's all, yeah, it's learned. It's, it's not inherent. You, no, but uh, not inherent, and um, it would probably be a familial p- pattern, you know, where uh, mom's narcissistic needs didn't get met, her need to feel heard, her need to be believed, her need to be listened to and counted and feel safe. They weren't met. So now she wants her child to meet those needs. And... Um, then the child learns that she's busy taking care of mother, so her needs aren't met. Mm-hmm. So the extreme narcissist is is very, very difficult to live with. I work with a lot of uh, women in abusive relationships and some men, and they're almost all in relationships with narcissists. It's very important for me that people understand I don't judge the narcissist, whatever degree you have, um, because uh, they all come from wounding, and, and we're all just trying to do our best. We're all just trying to figure it out. And um, the narcissists generally, the narcissistic personality disorder, generally do a lot of harm uh, to other people, uh, where the everyday narcissist is out there trying to take care of everybody else and not themselves and become martyrs, and that does harm. And I don't think anybody ever thinks of that as being a narcissist. I think they think of that as being a caretaker who's overwhelmed, stressed, and overworked. Yes, and so since I specialized in uh, codependency for years, I realized that that these myths I talk about is how codependency is developed. Codependency having that external focus where you're busy taking care of everybody else and neglecting yourself and then being mad that no one's taking care of you. So these five myths, these five lies that we're taught. The third myth is your needs are more important than mine. The fourth mm. myth is rules are more important uh, than I am. And the fifth lie is, um, well, unless I follow all the, the first four, um, I'm just not lovable. I was not created lovable. I have to change and do all this stuff, and then maybe I'll be lovable. 
I think of a teacher who came in and read the first four chapters and he came in and said, Nancy, it's everywhere. I heard a a student come in and say to a fellow teacher, I didn't get my math done last night. And the teacher, with the best of intentions, said, oh, John, I'm so disappointed in you. Now, you Mm. say that to a child and you're going to shame the heck out of them. What mm-hmm. that child learned is he has the power to make that teacher feel disappointed and rotten. So when the kid came to my client who'd read the book, he said, well, I'm sorry to hear that, John, because we're going to learn something new in math, and you're going to have a hard time understanding it. So we need to figure out how come you didn't get it done and what we can do to catch you up because I'm concerned for you. What a different message. Yes. Perspective. (laughs) Shifting the perspective. Absolutely. I had a little. The perspective. Is big. I had a little boy who came up to me and said, Mrs. Love, I did it wrong. I got it wrong. And I looked at him, whatever he was doing. I can't remember what the exercise was. And I said, no, you didn't. And he says, I didn't. And I said, no, you found a way that didn't work. Now go back and try to find a way that does. And he looked at me and he put a... He had a smile on his face. He went and sat down, and he was the cutest little boy, and he had all these little girls all around him because he was so cute. And I knew, yeah, wait wait a few years. There's a problem here, you know. And one (laughs) one little girl, like 10 minutes later, later, she says, I got it wrong. And he says, you didn't get it wrong. You just found a way that didn't work. Keep trying, and you'll find a way that works. And I started laughing because I thought he heard it. He took it yeah. in and retained it, and then he regurgitated it. I love this kid. <laughs> you know, yeah. This is crazy, yeah. but it was good. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's the perspective. But I drive. Well, I just want to say our basic drive is we want to belong. We want right. to fit in. We want to be loved. We want to be in community. And if if what I have to do do is try and figure out what will make you happy what would make you happy, um, uh, then I'll do that. I'll put myself aside because I'll do anything to belong. I want you to love me. So oftentimes when I'm working with clients, I had a client who came in yesterday. Oh, she was so full of tears, bless her heart. And she said, I just think I'm a bad person. I just think I'm a really bad person. So I asked her to go get some pictures of herself when she's very little, under the age of three. And I said, now, when you get mad at yourself, it's that little girl you're rejecting. Because that's the little girl that's trying so hard to be lovable because she doesn't know that she already is because of these five lies we're taught. And the other stuff in the book, the shame, the boundaries, all that stuff. Yes, and that one you're talking about is one of the healing activities, Love the Child Inside You, which, when, as I went through the book, I'm thinking, for me, looking at that, I'm like, this to me looks like it would be the hardest one to do. Uh, because? The hardest healing activity. Oh, yeah? And yeah. why is that? I don't know. I think it would be really difficult for people to do that because, first of all, I think people have heard a lot about, you know, you have your inner child. And I think that... Uh-huh that they they don't believe that there is a little child within them. So they have to get to that point of believing that they're still there and then really, you know, nurturing that child. I think people would have a hard time with that. It just seems like that would have been a difficult one. Why? Do you find that that's not true in your practice? Um, Well, the people who are really shamed 
and uh, really trained that they're pretty worthless. It's it's hard uh, harder to connect. But like this mm. woman yesterday, I told her, I told her to go home and get those pictures. Yeah, you told me to do that two years ago. Well, you're on another level. You're going deeper now. And so <laughs> I said, and, and just remember, just remember that when you beat yourself up, it's that precious little girl. And so she sent me five pictures today. And her homework wow. was to look at those pictures and to remember how precious she is. And that when you're hard on yourself, it's that little girl that's been so hungry to be loved that you're beating up. And she just she just said, I can do it. I can do it. Because mm. that image. I'm sure the pictures help. I understand your vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you could say that to somebody. Myself, and yeah, if you don't have pictures of yourself, you're thinking, yeah, okay, I'm a little kid. But but when you see it, it's there in front of you, yeah. you know, so yeah. that makes a lot yeah. more sense. Now, you know, the um, I'm going to tie two things together here, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. the expert, so I might be tying two things yeah. together here. It's interesting to me that in the foreword, Anne Catherine, who is the best-selling author of Boundaries and Where to Draw the Line, speaks to neglecting yeah. ourselves and that neglecting Absolutely. ourselves and feed into narcissism. Now, I look at that and I think that seems to me to tie into myth three, the needs and wants of other people are more important than our own. Because you're not looking uh, yeah, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So we ignore okay. ourselves because we're afraid yeah. that if we put ourselves first. You know, I grew up in a small town that to this day, <laughs> Fergus Falls, Minnesota, has more churches per population than any city in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, well, the influence of that is uh, all this real strict uh, kind of religious stuff. And uh, I say to my clients, in my hometown, um, uh, selfishness was synonymous with homicide and adultery. Wow. One of the, one of the worst things you could be is selfish. So, so myth three, oh, my gosh. I can't. Oh, people, uh, you know, people say, I, I feel so guilty when I do that. And I said, then go put an A-plus on the calendar. Because if you mm-hmm. feel guilty because you did something for yourself, you did something right, and go give yourself an A-plus. And they yep. said, it's so uncomfortable. I know, but let's normalize that. Let's make Particularly that women. Caring about yourself. Yes. Particularly women. Yeah, they have such a hard time. I can't say no. I can't say no. And so I've said to people, look at me. No. Say it. Repeat it. And they'll say no. And I said, see, you can't say no. And they'll say, yeah, but you know what I mean. I'll say no. No. (laughs) Just say no. And I try to equate it to the oxygen mask theory. You know, you have to keep yourself going so you can help others. But don't don't believe that you have to keep yourself going going so you have to help others it's so that if you wanted to you could you need to keep yourself going for you because you're important you're special you're here for a reason you know and and i i have told people before there's what other people need and want are never more important than your own needs and like well so what if there's a car accident i can help someone so that's different but if you're hurt you have to take care of you (laughs) you know but if you're on the sidelines that's different that's not the same thing they try to Come up with reasons. <laughs> well, because it's so against those five lies that we're taught, and and there's such a terror in not being liked. Uh, oftentimes, mm. the homework I give is to say, 
no, that doesn't work for me. And then I say, when you get, when you have really close friends, you can just say, no, I don't want to. But first right. you just say, no, that, that won't work for me. And and so I find lots of times when I help people give them words and to give them the homework to say that twice in a week, that, you know, that might take two months for them to do. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because it's a big ticket but, item. It really is. Well, the fear of rejection is huge. Yeah. Because they were rejected mm-hmm. for who they were as a kid. Um, yeah. So that, that is a challenging one. I oftentimes use the example of a Kool-Aid pitcher. That women in particular, but some men, depending on their backgrounds, that were like Kool-Aid pitchers, and that everything in that Kool-Aid pitcher is what were our um, our ability to be loving and kind and giving and caring and sharing and um, all those wonderful things we're supposed to be. And then everybody in our life has a glass. And so they need something, we give it to them. They need something, we give it to them. Newborns have big glasses. Teenagers have giant glasses. And we just keep pouring out. And what eventually happens? Of course, the Mm -hmm. picture runs out of patience and kindness and all that stuff. And so then what uh, women in particular will do is say, I can't run out. Good women never run out. They always have something to give. So they go into the porcelain or the glass itself. The Mm two-year-old comes up and says, Mommy, who just laid down on the sofa, Mommy can have a drink of water. And Mommy, either inside or outside, says, what? And then she feels Mm -hmm. awful because it's just a two-year-old, and she just feels terrible about it. So she gets up, and she doesn't go into that glass or that porcelain and gets one drop to turn on the water. She says, why don't we make some Mm Kool-Aid? And so... Women will come into me who've done that a lot, and some men, and they'll say, I have nothing more to give. I feel like I'm about to crack up. I feel like I'm on empty. Now, those aren't professional psychological terms, but they sure describe the situation because you take the porcelain out of, I mean, you take the moisture out of anything like a leaf, and it'll crack up. It'll break up. Sure. So the wisdom of their comments, they just don't understand how wise it is. So I say to them, and that healing activity is in the book, you need to make a list of 15 things that you want just for you, and they have to be specific. Because I don't care if it's a new pair of socks or a trip to Italy <laughs> or taking a yoga class. I don't care what it is. But that's how you fill your picture is by yeah. doing those things for yourself. So when someone comes along, you have something to give. So that's the irony, uh, and it's just exactly what you're saying. When you give to you, you have something to give to others. And I once heard and a long time ago that that true caring always includes self. Mm-hmm. So if you say, can you help me paint, I go out there and paint with 103 temp because I want you to like me. But true caring always includes self. If you don't include yourself, you're just trying to manipulate someone into thinking you're wonderful. Right. So true clearing always has to include how does it impact me if I do this. And and a good part of that is being present in the moment with it as well. But I want to go back to something that you said that you hit on, um, and I was going to bring it up a little bit later. You know, people will ask you to do things, and when they find out that you're a willing volunteer or that you always say yes, 
they will constantly <laughs> come to you. So when people Absolutely. say, I can't say no, as you said, you, you give them a list of, of phrases they can use. And until people get to, and, and I'm pretty well known in my community. I'm the vice chair of the Chamber of Commerce. I run a children's foundation. I volunteer a lot for a lot yeah. of different things because it's important yeah. to me to, do, to have a give back. And um, yeah. so people know this. And they see me out and about, but until they really get to know me, they, want, they wonder. And they tell me this after the fact because they'll say, you know, we ask you to do something and you'll say yes. And then another time you'll say, oh, no, but thank you for asking. And you'll turn around and walk away. And I'll say, that's right. Yeah. And they'll say, why? And I say, because I don't want you to continually ask me if it's not something I'm good at or not something I feel to do or not something that's going to fit into my schedule, I'm not going to commit. So you have right. to, one woman said to me, well, how do you say no? And I said, well, I say no, but thank you for asking. And then turn around and walk away. She said, I can't do that. I said, yes, you can. She goes, I don't know anyone who can do it. And then she saw me do it at an event. And I said, oh, no, but thank you for uh-huh. asking. And I, I was very pleasant. And I turned around and walked away. And she yeah. came up to me and she goes, you just did it. And I said, did what? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm so used to doing stuff like this, I don't even know. And she started laughing. Right. And she says, wow. She goes, you know, they were talking about you over there. And I said, Really? And you're going to tell me this? And she said, she goes, well, no. Somebody said, did you ask tea? And they said, well, yeah, she said, no, but thank you for asking. They said, yeah, well, that's tea. Right. So they've gotten to know me, you know, or even things as crazy as when people will say to me, you know, they're overwhelmed and, and, and stressed and they have so much anxiety. My first question is usually, how often are you on social media, texting, or on your phone throughout the day? Tell me how often you're on the phone. How often can you uh-huh. disengage from that? Are you addicted? And they will tell me. They'll say, oh, no, not at all, until I tell them to write down what they're doing. Then I'll have them, when they first start to come in, they'll say, can I text you? And I'll say no. And they'll say no. And I say, I don't know how to text. I don't want to learn. It's not something that serves me well in my life. I don't even have a magic phone, so I don't know how to do it. I don't care to learn. And somebody said, why? And I said, lifestyle choice. I see all you people out there drowning in the boats. Why do, you, why do you want me to come drown with you? I'm happy over here on the land. I'm doing fine. You have to call my cell uh-huh. phone, I mean, call my landline or email me, but I don't text. And they just walk away. Uh-huh. And people will say, you know, she's crazy. And I'm like, I don't care if you think I'm crazy. Now all these studies are coming out and all this stuff about Facebook and social media, which yeah. I don't do. Yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? I'm better uh-huh. off. So I think that if we give people, as you said, give them phrases, take some phrases that you can use on a steady basis, it gives them confidence, Yeah, I, I yeah. believe, so that they yeah. can then say no and walk away and feel good about it. you agree with yeah. that? Yeah, I do. I do. And, and I, I think um, um, I'm not always grateful for the ask, so I probably wouldn't say that. But, but one of the things um, <laughs> that... <laughs> I'm not always um, grateful for the ass. <laughs> uh, you can tell I'm honest. Um, I love that. <laughs> uh, one of the things that um, I think is so hard is when we don't say no when we want to, then we believe other people aren't honest about when they help us. They're doing it because they think they should, or they're afraid you're not going to mm-hmm. like them if they don't do it. And so when, when this all feeds into that whole chapter on how we're trained to lie, but what happens yeah. then is we don't trust people when they say yes, because we say yes so many times when we don't want to. But one of the things that my clients find about me is I will say the hard things to them. I will say, well, you need to get yourself out of victim right now. It's not working. Sorry, that's my bird. 
Um, yeah. And um, but when you when you're honest with people, you're going to draw honest people to you in your life. Yeah. And then you can trust when they say yes, they they mean yes. Uh, one time I was talking to a friend and he said, "Well, so." Uh, we're looking for a movie to go to. I said, so do you want to go see such and such? She said, no, I have no plans on seeing it. I don't want to see it, and I'll never see it. And I just howl <laughs> because that's the kind of honesty I want in my relationship. So yeah. and she said, and I'd, and, I'd, and I'd like to go see a movie with you. I just don't want to go see that one. So she added the connecting piece of, and I'd like to see a movie with you. But I, I don't. Yeah. I, I spent too much time going. Now, are you sure, T? Is that okay, T? We don't have to go to that restaurant if you don't want to go. Mm-hmm. See, that's the person who doesn't trust someone's being honest with them. Yeah. And no, so I shoot straight from the hip. I, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm always looking for people where I, that will take care of themselves because I don't want to. I, I don't want yeah. to have to second guess if they really mean what they're saying. And I try, yes. as I say in my book, I try to say it with as much graciousness and kindness as I can, but I will say it. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, because, yeah. you know, I mean, when people, I mean, I can't even tell you how many people have said to me, well, here, I'll show you how to text. And I say, no, thank you. I don't want to learn. And they'll just look at me and I'll say, uh-huh. my brain, it's, it's filled with other things that are much more important than learning how to text. I don't have a need for it. There's nobody I need to text. Uh-huh. There's, I'm not that important. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I just that's you know how I feel. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh my god. I'm like, I really don't want to be that accessible to anyone. And they don't know how to respond to that. And then when I say it's a lifestyle choice, they just look at me shocked, because it is. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I just say, yeah. well, you have got to get into this century. And I say, no, really, I don't. I'm happy where I am. Thank you. You know. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of funny. At least they yeah. know, you know. It, uh, I mean, it, it yeah. can. Does it mess them up? Yes. But I did ask because my husband is a um, IT guy, and he mm-hmm. just got one of those phones like two months ago. And he said to me, "Here, I'll show you how to text." I said, "No, I told you I don't want to learn." And he said, "You really ought to learn." I said, "Why?" And he said, "What if you you're somewhere and you need to get in touch with someone?" I said, "This is America. Where do I go?" Well, you know, I mean, just ask someone, knock on a door, whatever, you know, do it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> uh-huh. it, drives yeah. them, it drives them crazy, you know, because I don't want to learn yeah. how to do this. But I don't, if, it, if I don't really feel like it's something I need, you know, I don't want to learn how to ride horses either. What's the difference? You know, I mean, to me, uh-huh. they're the same thing. Uh-huh. It's not my way yeah. to do. Well, we so, all get to choose our own path. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah. um, other people make it sound like, well, if you're not texting, you're interfering in my life and making things difficult for me. Well, as far as I know, when I said to my husband, if you text somebody or you email somebody, what's the difference? He said, it's just where you send it. I said, well, there you go. There's no difference. They're doing the same amount of work. They just have to hit, you know, either email it to me or whatever. You know, it's, it's not uh-huh. any different, so I'm not putting any pressure on anyone. But I think people, they're afraid to to take their power and stand in, up for what they believe in and say, I don't want to do that. So they just do what society says uh-huh. to do because it's easier. And that, I think, uh-huh. plays into it, too, because you're neglecting yourself if you're doing that. A lot of people, I'm sure you see it in your practice, a lot of people are really addicted to all the technology that they're using. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, That's true. that plays yeah. into it. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Uh, I write a chapter on distractors. And it's just a oh, it's yeah. just a distractor, and I don't I don't judge people for it. Um, we all find ways to try to survive, and for some people, that's a, just another way to try and survive. It's just a way to disconnect from ourselves, though. And and I 
and of yep. course therapy is about uh, is about connecting and um sometimes that some people are just uh so wounded that connecting perhaps in this lifetime is not a possibility um, right because because some people would break down too much and so i try to respect that not everybody wants to go there um uh, as I say to my clients, therapy is not for sissies. It's hard work. It's scary. I said to a guy who was the CFO of a couple of very large Fortune 500 companies, and I said, I'm asking you to say no to your stepson and stop giving him money. He won. Mm. And that's oh my probably gosh. The, the, hard, the hardest thing that you're going to have to do from all those big jobs you've had and all those big decisions. This is the part, probably the hardest thing you're going to have to do in your life. Sure. And he said, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's really, you don't so, want to uh, not help those that you love, you know? Yeah, but sometimes helping them is uh, really for our benefit, not theirs. Yes. Yeah, you don't realize you're not helping them, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I I saw that list yeah. of common distractors, and I was laughing because I thought, oh, my God, I can check off a whole bunch of these <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true, isn't it? Everyone, can, you, know, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it's the degree to which we do them. But I'm very clear. If I've had a long list of clients and it's been kind of a tiring day, I'm very clear. I'm going to go home and watch Netflix, probably something from BBC, to escape, and I'm just fine yeah. with it. <laughs> yep. But it's a choice I'm I making. Agree. I'm conscious of That's making right. the choice. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I the other day I was like, I'm going to eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream because you know what? I can, and I'm ticked off to the ultimate end, and that's why I'm doing it, and it's all right with me. I'll deal with the exercise machine tomorrow. And I just sat there and ate the pint of ice cream, and I was like, works for me. If I get hit by a truck and I didn't have the ice cream, I'd really be mad. So you know what? This is okay. <laughs> but you have to. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you have to talk yourself into that, you know. But if you're if you're really okay with it, then you know. That's fine. And some of the distractors, I looked at and I laughed and I thought, well, okay, these, I get that these are distractors, but a lot of them are really like hobbies, you know, like I love gardening and I love sewing and stuff like that. And I go to yoga and do meditation and, and those things. But I, I laughed at them because I thought, oh, my God, I know I, if I'm really overwhelmed about something that's going on, I will just start to clean the house like a mad woman. And I, it will take me eight hours. Well, to, you know? yeah, <laughs> and I, I think it's just important to – to um, if you're if you're going to distract yourself, make it very clear that you're going to get back to it when you're done. That you're going mm-hmm. to go to you know, and that you don't distract yourself all the time, because right. um, you know healing is about knowing what's going on and walking into that into that pain or that difficulty that's under the anger and and say, okay, now what can I do about it? How can I take care of myself around that? Because many, many of my clients were never taught how do they take care of themselves when they're when they're struggling with some of these things. They don't know. It's not just I don't know how to say no. You know, they, right. they have um, they have many tools that they're lacking and they need, and and we all need help, myself included. Well, um, yeah, because nobody and, teach. This isn't taught in school, and parents, unless they're educated in the field of psychology, they're they're not taught this either. So, how do the children learn so that they can then do as an adult? They have to either learn it on their own, self help books, go to therapy, find ways to do this, workshops, seminars, whatever, read a lot, and finally get it on their own. Or, 
it's somewhere taught. And it, it isn't. We, there is no mainstream teaching of this. These tools aren't taught. And this is really, this is life-saving. It really is something that should be taught. What's life-saving? Doing uh, your book, learning oh, all these uh-huh. tools so that people can, you know, have something to use when they are, instead of going to a distractor and saying, well, I'm going to take drugs to get out of reality and not dealing with whatever is going on down the road yeah. and just doing yeah. the distractor to, to get away from it and escapism without realizing I'm just doing this for the moment so that I can have a little downtime to regroup and then I can get back to it. Most people don't do that, I don't think. I think they just escape, ignore it, hope it goes away, go on with their day, and then escape again. They're not taught. It should be taught somewhere. It should be taught in schools because it's not. these are life lessons that need to be taught. Well, when I've taught classes on this stuff, I've had people say, why didn't I learn this when I was 16? And it's mm-hmm. because at least the way I've framed it, it's, it's it's a new format. It's a new, um, what do we call those paradigms? The way I'm presenting mm-hmm. in this book. Um, uh, but I always try to remember we're all just doing our best. And, yes. and the, the importance of being gentle on ourselves as we try to learn new things. And, uh, and not feeling guilty about it. Well, you can feel guilty. Give yourself an A plus if you do it. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and feel guilty. It just means you're doing it differently. If you mm-hmm. if, if if you don't feel guilty, if you're starting to change to take care of yourself, guilt is a natural outcome. So if you feel guilty, then just put an A plus on the table. Good for me. I was really brave today. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the guilt will go away uh, after a while. Yeah, it, when you realize the other outcomes, how much better it feels right. to take care of yourself. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you yeah, and and I think your whole book is is just a total shift in perspective in the way that people it you is. know look at yep. the way they do. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and it's it this is not written in an academic format where you won't understand it. This is written for anyone to be able to pick up and read and gain a lot from. I can, you know, I can see that it's it's well, first of all, there's stories in it as well that really validate what your points and that was a good tool Mm -hmm. too so that Mm -hmm. you can see that Mm -hmm. okay here's a woman that this happened to and you say oh i know somebody like that or i had a client that was like that or or uh, you know that happened to me you know whatever it is it resonates with them in a way that you know an academic book does not if you pick up a you know a book yeah um, or class yeah well it was interesting i had a professor from toronto university who interviewed me for a couple of blogs for Psychology Today and some magazine in Canada. And uh, uh, she was going to her committee to see if it couldn't be part of um, at Toronto. Uh, she teaches some psychology relationship stuff um, because of the kinds of things you just said. It's a whole new way of looking at the world. The nice thing that I have found for myself is I rarely get hurt anymore, T. Because I'm very clear that whatever you do has nothing to do with me. It has to do with how you choose to address the world. So if, if, if you get angry at me, I know that's not about me. Because some people, um, when they get hurt, they get angry, they get loud, they get name-calling, other people get quiet. Um, but whatever you do is about how you choose to do your life. And I no longer believe I'm the center of the universe and can control 
how you behave. So I don't get hurt much anymore by what people do because I realize that's about them. It's not about me. So, for yeah. instance, um, some some people uh, are in relationships where their partner gets really angry and raises their voice and, and pounds on the counter and maybe throws something. In my family growing up, that's absolutely uh, nothing I ever saw my father do. I never saw him raise his voice. I never saw him swear. I never, because that's a choice he made. He chose to deal with his anger in a very respectful manner. That's a choice mm. he made. Other people make the choice that it's okay to blow up and get mean and call names and blame um, because that's the choice they made. So however, so what, what people do is truly about them. It is not about me. And once you understand those lies and that they are lies, um, you just you might you might feel a little sad or a little, but it's more like a scratch on your arm than a knife to the gut. Yeah. Because what each of us do is about us and our choice and how we want to deal with and relate to the world. It's very freeing to understand these myths and to live by by uh, and to understand their lies and to change our thinking about these things. We just, you just, I'm rarely defensive anymore because I know if you're blaming me for something, that doesn't mean I do everything perfectly, but how you respond to it is about you. Right. If that makes sense. Right. It does. It makes complete sense. And I oftentimes tell people if somebody's doing something to you, that's their baggage. That's not you. It's, it's the way that they're lashing out or whatever. It's not. You don't take it personally. You know, that's just how they have chosen to say something or do something. And, and um, another thing that people do is the, the should. And you spoke to this in your book. And I, I was so glad because I thought, oh, my goodness, they should take the word should out of the English language. <laughs> people, well, you to, know. To, speak to, the, yeah, to speak to the first thing you said about um, don't take it personally. Well, if you believe myth one, it's really hard not to take it personally. Right. Yeah. You have to identify that if, you, if you're feeling bad about it, it's because you're in your lie, the lie of I'm yeah. responsible for what they do and what they say. And you have to identify the lie that you're participating in and reject the lie and say, that just isn't true. I'm just not that powerful. Oftentimes right. I say to my clients when they go there, I'll say, if you're really that powerful, I could use a little help over here. <laughs> I have a list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, and I, yeah, I should have correlated it back to that, but I didn't. <laughs> but it's so true. I made, I, I made him so angry. I said, well, not really. That's how he chose to deal with what you said. But if you can make him angry, then you can also make him happy, and then you can make me happy. So if you could work your attention over here a little bit, I could use a little help. And then they laugh, and they and they realize the ridiculousness of the thoughts that we've been taught. And and it's prevalent in our society, so of course we're going to believe it because other people do. So, you know, it's, it's so yeah, true. It's just, 
if you if you read the book, especially those the, the on the myths, you will hear it literally everywhere. You'll hear it in the bathroom, the restaurant bathroom, like I did. You'll hear it in the yep. booth next to you. You'll hear it in school. You'll hear it in church. You'll hear it at the restaurant. Um, yep. It's everywhere, and and it's so important that we don't judge ourselves or other people for it, but decide if we want to continue to live as if those lies came right off of Mount Sinai. They just weren't yeah. written on the tablet. No. Um, they, no. They, are, they are lies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and why? That's a great you know, deal. Yeah, they have harmed us a great deal, and for generations, and it's just been passed down and passed down and passed down, you right. know. And right. yeah, and then and then the second part that I was getting to was the word "should," where you know I should do this, I should do this, I should do this. Well, why should you? Why should you do this? Why you know is it a I have to do this because for whatever reason you're going to feel better about it or something? Or what is the what is the real reason you? feel you should do it? Is it because society says it should be done this way? Is it because, you know, it's uh, just something that is an ordinary occurrence? What's the word should? And gosh, people use that a lot and do things because they should, not because they feel to, but because they should. Well, yeah, the, the issue with the word should is that it's very shaming and mm. it's coercive. And if I say I should do this, what I'm really saying, I should get the dishes done tonight. What I'm really saying is yeah. if I'm a good homemaker, a good role model, a good mother, uh, a good wife, I'll get the dishes done. And the truth of the matter is uh, you could be a lousy partner, mother, wife, whatever, and get the dishes done. So I always <laughs> try to tell people, look at the consequences um, well, let's see, if I do the dishes tonight, I'll get up and the kitchen will be clean and I'll really like uh, making my coffee in the morning. That's one consequence. The other consequence is I'm not feeling really good tonight. It's been a long day. I'm really tired and I'd really like to go to bed. Now, which consequence can I live with? Mm-hmm. And lots of times for me, it's I'm going to go to bed. And sometimes it's no, I really wanna, I want, I really wanna wake up. But it's not because I'm a good person. Should implies if I do what I should, I'm good. If I don't do what I should, I'm bad. Right. So I always try to teach my clients. They they want to shortcut it to have to, could. It's really important to look at the consequences. As a clinician, I don't always get my charts done every night. And if I say I should mm-hmm. get these charts done before I leave, well, I'm professional, I'm organized, I'm adult-like, um, um, I'm responsible. If I don't get my charts done tonight, I'm lazy, I'm irresponsible, um, I'm unprofessional, and I'm just a lousy therapist. Well, mm-hmm. you know, you could get your charts done every night and just be a creep of a therapist. Right. So, so like today, I left without getting all my charts done. Well, I'm only working a day and a half uh, in my office um, anymore. I'm in semi-retirement, and I do Skype. I do a lot of Skype and FaceTime sessions now from different parts of the world and the country. And um, um, I recognized that um, uh, I needed to get going. I had this radio show to be on. 
<laughs> right. And Sorry. I didn't want I didn't want to be I didn't want to be stressed. And so that's right. the choice I made. Yeah. Um, and you know I didn't want to be funny. stressed. Yeah, and and it's funny you should say you didn't want to be stressed because I can be really tired at the end of the day and I'll look at something that needs to be done and I'll say, you know what, I'm tired. This will make me a little bit more tired, but I'll be able to sleep and wake up tomorrow and not have yesterday's stuff on my plate to start the day. This will put the day to bed. So I like to put the day to bed. Anything I can get done that I that I don't have to wake yeah. up to the next day and have carried over, you yeah. know. Um, I can't yeah. believe this. We're almost out of time, Nancy. <laughs> this yeah. hour has gone yeah. by very, very quickly. Okay. Um, yeah. But before we go, well, would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you, your work, and where they can purchase your book, Everyday Narcissism? Uh, well, Barnes & Noble sells it. Amazon sells it. There's a number of websites that sell it. It comes in audio as well as um you know, in book form. Um, you can look me up under Nancy Van Dyken or healingrelationships.com is my website. Or to go to nancyvandyken.com, you can find my website. And um, my email address and phone numbers and everything are on there. Um, and so. And it's Everyday Narcissism, Yours, Mine, and Ours by Nancy Van Dyken. It's a great book. It's not, it, it's not even that, you know, long a book. I mean, well, I read a book a week, so to me, a couple yep. hundred pages isn't that long. But it's interesting right. because the stories validate everything that's being said. You learn a lot about yourself, even if you thought you knew about yourself, and you'll learn a lot more and be able to, you know, do things in a little bit different way and shift your perspective and ultimately be a little bit happier with all the things that are going on in your life. You'll be able to handle things better, I believe. So I think that uh, it's a wonderful tool, a wonderful book, a lot of things you can pick up from it. So go out and get that book, Everyday Narcissism, Yours, Mine, and Ours by Nancy Van Dyken. And Nancy, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really appreciate you being here. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, T. Appreciate it. Okay, hold on, and I'll just do the outro, and then I'll talk to you in just a moment. Okay, okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place as well. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org, or check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need, 100%. We are run solely by volunteers. There's no salaries. Nobody gets paid. If you are working at Soji Huggles, you are a volunteer. <laughs> you can learn about our fundraising campaigns, and you can see exactly where the money goes and how it helps kids in need. At Soji Huggles, we are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. So take time to visit our website, SojiHuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.
When I remember how 